Hi, it's Bo Horvat from the Vancouver Canucks. Hey guys, it's Brittany Palmer, the UFC Octagon Girl. Hey, this is Trevor Hurst of Conline Crush. Hi, it's Bob Leonarduzzi of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Hi, this is Theotis Crane from AMC's The Walking Dead and WGN's Underground. Hi, this is George Thurgood. Hi, I'm Jackie Childs, social influencer. Hi, I'm William B. Davis, the cigarette smoking man from the X-Files. Hey, this is Vinnie Paul from Hell Yeah! And you're listening to the Toddcast right there in Vancouver. If COVID has taught us anything, it's that if you sit around eating Cheetos and binge-watching five straight hours of Netflix, you're probably going to gain some weight and not be uber fit during the pandemic. But it's easy to get pulled into that world, isn't it? You can't go anywhere without wearing a mask. Do you risk going to a restaurant with some friends? Do you have buddies over for a barbecue? Do they need to wear a mask? Should you go to live shows at venues where they're allowing 50 people max? Is it worth it? Of course, the answer to all of those questions is up to you. It's up to the individual and what you feel comfortable with. Whether you think COVID is a pandemic or not, it's a scheme that's forged by the world's leaders to take away your rights and freedoms. I'll give you a hint. It is not that. Wear a damn mask already. Show some compassion to your fellow human beings and we will get through this. Uh, well, back to staying fit during the pandemic, one of this week's guests is an IFBB pro figure competitor and a former Miss Olympia named Monica Brandt. Uh, she talked about staying fit and motivated during this COVID world. You'll hear about that in just a little bit. Uh, joining Monica is Hightown actress Kate Miller. She has a small role in the recently released The Trial of the Chicago 7. You can see that right now on Netflix and in select theaters. Kate thinks that Sasha Baron Cohen is going to win an Oscar for his performance in that movie. We'll get to this week's musical guest in just a few minutes. And by the way, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, the Dean Blundell Network out of Toronto, the Boot Crew Media Network out of New Orleans. We use an awesome Yeti microphone for all of our Zoom interviews. We're powered by Blue. ToddHancock.ca with all the podcasts there as well. You'll see our Twitter feed, music and entertainment news that we write for the website. We get something like three to 4,000 visitors daily. So thank you for that as well. Coming up in just a few minutes in listen to this former black crows drummer, Steve Gorman talks about the process of writing his book, hard to handle life and death of the black crows. It's an awesome read. Even if you're not the biggest fan of that band, it's, Simply a pull-no-punches look at one of the most dynamic rock bands of the 90s, early 2000s. That is powered by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley. Good friends, RV service repair, ICBC accredited. You can find them online through Tedco RV Supplies, Inc., Dot com. First, let's do it. Let's get to the first guest of three. This week's musical guest is Blue October singer Justin Furstenfeld. Now, keep in mind that this interview happened in mid-July-ish, early August. It's taken a few months to kind of, you know, get through the clutter and make it official. Of course, you know, we've thrown the interview around a ton online, but it's now official. Justin is a super nice guy, great to talk to We'd spoken a couple times when I was still doing the afternoon show at Seafox. Um, it would have been years, though, like eight or nine years kind of thing. It's crazy to think that, that Blue October has been around since 1995. We're talking a quarter of a century. And they've been, you know, pretty successful, steady success along the way. Uh, what are they got? 11 top 40 singles. You'll probably best know them for Hate Me or Into the Ocean. They have nine studio albums you're only a few days away from the release of their 10th that is called this is what i live for that's out october 23rd and if you've yet to see blue october's documentary get back up this is worth your time it's a great job you can hear the full interview with me and justin from blue october at our itunes spotify soundcloud pages in the meantime here's 10 minutes with blue october singer justin Furstenfeld. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Bands that my parents were exposing me to were uh, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, um, uh, Anita Baker, George Michael, and then my dad was George Strait, Johnny Cash. Uh, oh, so you're for, you're getting it from all angles. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was it was. My dad kind of liked that uh, 
Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Yeah. Was a good friend of mine. Nice. You know, he liked all that kind of stuff. But I remember him, Merle Haggard, George Strait, Johnny Cash, that kind of stuff. My mom was very R&B, very soul. Okay, so what was the first to really grab a hold of you then? Um, I'd have to say um, the first artist that really grabbed a hold of me when I was a kid was Michael Jackson, of course. But uh, the first artist that made me feel something was uh, Roy Orbison when I heard Crying. Yeah. I remember being like five years old and being like, I started bawling. And my mom was like, what are you crying for? I was like, this guy, he's he's sad. And she was just like, you don't even know what it's about. Like, but it's sad. But I remember my first time listening to like George Michael. My mind was blown, dude. He was so good at songwriting and love, love songs. And, but the first person that really tugged on me was Peter Gabriel. Okay. Like, biggest, biggest fan of Peter Gabriel that there ever was. I am the hugest Peter Gabriel fan there ever lived. Right. And what do you think the chances of him getting back together with the guys in Genesis then? Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think, I think Peter Gabriel's better by himself. Oh, <laughs> he's going to hit me through the screen. So many people hate it when I say that. Well, you know Genesis what? I, was I, might, I might side with you, man. Like uh, for me, when, when I, go, I listen to Genesis and classic Genesis, uh, you know, of course I do love Gabriel stuff, but it's, as soon as you get Phil doing the leads, that's kind of, I think, where Genesis really grabbed me yeah. as a younger kid. Genesis was more of a, I don't know, it was an art project when, when, when Peter was doing it. And then after Peter left, it became a very corporate, uh, good songwriting machine for radio, which is great for Genesis. So when I think of Genesis, I think of invisible touch it, all that kind of stuff. And right. You know, which doesn't really tow my boat, but you think of Peter Gabriel, you got Mercy Street, In Your Eyes. Right, um, In Your Eyes. Don't like, Give Up with Kate Bush. You got Biko. Yeah. You got uh, Family Snapshot. I mean, it, that guy's a genius. That's great. Genius. Okay, so what was it about George Michael? What was it about uh, Michael Jackson? George Michael, the teacher. There are things that I still have to learn. Oh, the last one I had is my pride. So right. I don't want to learn to hold you, touch you, think that you're mine. Like, come on. Incredible like, thing. That's, like, the song was brilliant, and he wrote it all. Where'd that come from? And then you have Kissing a Fool. Guess you are kissing a fool. Right. Like, come on. And he's got these videos, too, Justin, to go along with it. And, yeah. you know, at that time, he was just such yeah. a massive star. He was huge, and his albums were even better. Yeah. Like his albums were pure art, pure art. Yeah, they were great. They were... Too. Amazing, if, you've, if you got a chance to see him live, I think you walked out of I there. Didn't, I didn't ever get to see him live. Inspired and, and straight up blown away by his talent. Yeah, he's super yeah. great. Superstar, man. Biggest guy. Biggest guy. Yeah. Michael Jackson was probably, uh, I just liked his dance and I liked his, uh, that Thriller album. I was like four, yeah. five when it came out. Remember when you, every... the first time you saw the video for Thriller? Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I waited up till midnight. I waited up till midnight and I was like, yeah. what the hell is this? Totally. Crazy 13 minute video. Unheard of. At the time it was unheard of. He was like, this is crazy. This guy yeah. is and today it's like a short film. No big deal. Yeah. Ain't no thing. Just whatever. It is what it is. What was your oh, yeah. first concert that you attended? How old were you? First concert that I attended was the Beach Boys with my dad. But the first concert that I went to that I wanted to go to was the Cowboy Junkies. Okay. Oh, wow. Love that band. Cowboy that Junkies. That would be amazing. It was in like a 300 capacity room. Chilling. Oh, God, they were so good. Yeah. Wow. All right, Justin, let's get to uh, – I know I've got uh, limited time with you. I don't want to stretch because I do want to get into a lot of – It's all good. Take your time, brother. Um, well, let's get to the to the, the new album. It's called uh, This Is What I Live For. Uh, so far, it's just saying September. Do you have a concrete date or is it just September September 18th. 18th. Okay. So talk to us about that. Uh, what's, what's it like for Blue October um, – 
you know, to head to the studio. Are they fully prepared songs? Do you sometimes luck out and get a song when you're in studio that you had no idea that was even there? Tell us oh, about yeah. I songwriting. Usually, I usually write them all. I write them all before we get there. Um, I write them all while we're touring for the current album. And then the studio is on my property. Oh, nice. So I basically live in the studio. Um, so then the guys come over after they've heard the demos. And we just nail down the parts. I mean, we get just stuff done so quick because it's right there on my property. And my head engineer, he basically lives there. And I'm just constantly shoving out songs. I mean, that's all I do is just write songs. So I think for this album, we had like 70, 75 songs up for the album. Wow. And to, to finish and get all done. And, and we, we chose 14 of them and ran with it. It's great. I mean, it's, it's going to be a cliche question, but like, how do you, you have 75 songs and of course they're all like, you know, they're your kids or your babies. How do you, how do you, how do you nail down from 75 to 14? Like there must be so much material that you're like, maybe we should just release a double album. Why not? Well, because it's all so good. I love it so much that it, um, we like to save a little bit for, um, for the next album. It, it, it let's just say it, it, uh, secures our future to have as many songs as we possibly can Definitely. and uh, only release a few at a time. Right. Uh, but they all had to have that vibe. They all had to have that, um, the rock and roll vibe, but still with that sad romantic nostalgia to it, you know? So if any of them were too poppy, I wouldn't put it on the album, but if they were rock and they had that really sad kind of romance to them, then, then we flirted with those and finished those up. And they're, they're all pretty sad and beautiful and, and rocking, except for Oh My My. That one's not that sad. But um, the other ones are... Off, uh, single. Yeah, it's a single. <laughs> What's your favorite song that you've done? To date? Yeah. A uh, song called Worry List. Okay. A song I wrote about my daughter when I was, uh, was kind of going crazy. And uh, yeah, Worry List is definitely it. Mm. Let's get into some of the fan questions. As you imagine, uh, Justin, when I mentioned you were going to be a guest, um, I, I got a bunch. Uh, Brent wants to know, when you find time, of course, we've got a bunch of time now, what are you currently binge watching? Ooh, good question. I am a fan of Ozark. Yeah. Ozark's on. Yeah, I love that one. Dude, Jason, um, Jason Bateman is incredible in that role. He's killing it. Something I'm also a fan of the... I'm also a fan of The Outsiders, which Jason Bateman's also in. Yes. Good show. Sick. I'm a Tiger King fan. I watched The Tiger King. Yeah. Binge right through it. And Man, it's awesome. Carol, Any show. What do you think? Carol uh, fed or no? I don't know. There wasn't too much. Of, I was too busy concentrating on the meth heads and having fun with all those guys. <laughs> and I forget Carol. You got three meth heads that are married to each other that are just it's so, crazy fun to watch, dude. It's a trip. It's a train wreck, man. How could you not want to watch that? It was so good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> in his videos, yeah. where he's singing about the, the tigers and and the the the, the the baby the baby cats and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, I got to go watch it again. Yeah, it's something else. So good, and also, hmm. I'm a huge fan of like Forensic Files, so I'm always watching Forensic Files. Mm -hmm. I like those murder death kill shows. Yeah, I like those too. Make me feel alive, not being the dead one, you know? Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching <laughs> on uh, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer the other day. Well, I haven't watched it yet. Wow. Have you watched it? I watched some of it, yeah. I didn't watch the entire thing, but I watched uh, uh, probably 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Was um, it good? It's, uh, it's incredible, man. Like, to think that those people actually exist they'll fucking kill you and eat you yeah and what's crazy is it's yours and my job to pick out those people in life and keep them away from us without knowing that they do that kind of shit right because everybody said oh jeffrey was a sweetheart or who the nice guy yeah we don't never know who they fucking are subscribe on itunes at toddcast podcast
Listen to this on the Toddcast Podcast. The Black Crows released their debut album, Shake Your Money Maker, in 1989 and immediately solidified themselves as one of the best rock bands of the time. Rolling Stone magazine readers named the band the best new American band in 1990. Their second album, The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion, went to number one on Billboard. VH1 put them at number 92 on the 100 Greatest Artists of Hard Rock list. They've sold over 30 million albums worldwide. You know about the brothers Robinson, Chris and Rich, infamously fighting like cats and dogs and former drummer Steve Gorman's book Hard to Handle The Life and Death of Black Crows a memoir details that in fighting and when Steve was a guest of the podcast we talked about his love of sports mainly basketball and soccer we talked about the shows that he was binge watching at the time The Crown and Fargo we talked about the Wilson sisters and their band Heart legalized marijuana came up so did the Beatles and the genius of Ringo Starr He talked about growing up to the music of Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Yes, and lots of Motown. And Steve shared the writing process of his book, a must-read for any Black Crows fan. Listen to this. You know, to to sit there and try to put half your life or, you know, 27 years is half my life right now. So it was actually a little over half my life when I started writing the book. Try to put it all down. Um, it, it, It wasn't. It was daunting until I started, and then as soon as I got into a flow, it was. I, I really enjoyed the process. I'm I'm very happy to sit and write and write and write, you know, for hours at a time. As it turns out, um, mm-hmm. to get lost in there, but it was. I just think it's a fascinating story, and you know, and it's and again, I I or I, I say again because I've explained this so many times, but I. It's my story, and it's really, the book is about me, and then there's all these things that happen where other people are involved, but I wrote it from a perspective of, you know, I know that people that love the Black Crows are going to find things that are interesting about, or they're they're annoyed by, or that they wish they didn't know, or that they wish I'd told more about, mm-hmm. but I, that that's a given. I, I thought it was a story that anybody could find something from, whether you're a Black Crows fan or not, Um it's just a question of what you're willing to do to get what you want ultimately and what you're willing to endure and put up with. And how do you know when you've crossed the line within your own moral compass? And, you know, it's all those kind of themes, which I think everybody can relate to on some level in life or certainly most people can. Listen to this on the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley, an ICBC approved repair shop. Find them online at TedcoRVSuppliesInc.com. You guys know Wu-Tang? Anybody know Method Man? So this is Bring the Pain.
bring the pain, the hardcore from the brain. Let's go inside my astral plane to find out my methods based on instrumental. The methods, hey, so I can write the monumental. The methods, I'm not the king. For suckers is decaf, for sticking for the cream. Check it, just how deep can shit get? Deep is the abyss, and brothers is mad fish. Accept it, and you cross color, close your crossed over, then go totally crossed and a crisscross. I'm the boss, suckers get tossed to do the side, and I'm the dark side of the force. The force is the method, man from the Bhutan clan, and I'll be hectic. So come up for your headpiece, protect it. You fuck it, two tears in a bucket. You suckers want the ruckus, you're busting the me, brown, I'm busted. Styles against bug wild, met the man on some shit, you're pulling the suckers, files. I'm sick, insane, crazy, driving Miss Daisy. Add your freaking mind because I got my, I'm crazy. If it's real, son, if it's really real, son, let me know it's real, son, if it's really real. Something I can kill, son, loading up a kill, one, one, a raw deal, son, if it's really real. When I listen with the stereo, I listen to some trivia. Uh, uh, I always wondered when I'm be the number one. Uh, uh. And now you listen to the Gargan. Hey, yeah, that's the Gargan summary. And any man that come test me, we wanna lick out them brains. You say you wanna hang with the meth, you bring a rope. The only way to hang is by your neck, you suck a poke off the set. And coming to your projects, sticking as a fellow better, yeah, it's a promise. I'm bet on some old Vietnam shit Sucker, you can bet your bottom hell I hate your bomb shit And it's gonna get even worse when the gun is the world coming through Stick it's fucking for your gun Moving on your left, get the meth Came to represent and call my name in your chest Or you could come test, realize you're no contest So I'm not gonna want the old wild west Quick on the draw with the nines on the four Nine, three, eleven with the rugged rhymes galore Check it cause I think not when this hip hop's like proper Rhymes be the proof and when I'm checking out the proof on vodka No OJ, no straw You're going to give it to me, yeah, give it to me raw I learned that when you drink absolute straight and burns Enough to give my chest hairs a perm I don't need no chemical blow to pull a hole in the fist All I need is a chemical mo to be the monkeys If it's real son, if it's a really real son Let me know what's real son, if it's real and real Something I can feel son, loaded up a kill one Wanna raw deal son, if it's real and real Something I can kill son, loaded up a kill one Wanna raw deal son, if it's real and real Something I can feel son, loaded up a kill one Wanna raw deal son, if it's real and real I came to bring the pain I came to bring the pain very much how good is that love patrick gavigan's version of method man's bring the pain you know, patrick is the singer for best night ever and maybe you're actually lucky enough to be at that show it was last was it last year or the year before now uh, cheap thrills 13 the Toddcast. it was around christmas time great night overall uh, kind of jonesing to get the live podcast shows happening again but honestly not sure that that is going to happen and probably till the new year we had a show planned with the band you heard prior to Patrick, Redwoods, and their song was called Tidal Wave. They've actually played for the podcast before, and we'd lined up a great show. Uh, it was with them and Chase the Bear. And what was the other band? Uh, who knows? Um, maybe we'll book that exact show again at the railway once we can start dialing things up once again. All right, Todd's Trolls is coming up in just a bit. The stupid, mean, hurtful but the funny things that people say to what you post, what you see online. This week, Bahamas, the new movie Death on the Nile, and the ICC Cricket World T20, they bask in that red-hot spotlight. It's powered by our buddies at The Garage, Games and Geekery in Maple Ridge. It's your place to play Warhammer and D&D, Slay Trolls, and a bunch more. Find them online at garagegames.ca. First, the second of three Toddcast guests this week is our sporting guest, IFBB pro fitness icon, Monica Brandt. And you'll know Monica right away without even realizing it. She's been on the cover of over 100 international fitness magazines. As mentioned off the top of the podcast, she's an IFBB pro figure competitor and a former fitness competitor. She won the 1998 Miss Fitness Olympia. She retired from figure competitions in 2013 after her first place win at the 2013 WBFF World Pro Figure Championships. A true icon 
in the fitness industry and a genuinely nice person as well. We follow each other on social media. She's super nice. The full conversation is definitely worth hearing. Search it out through Toddcast Podcast on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud. Uh, Till you hear that, here's 10 minutes with IFBB Pro, Monica Brandt. The Toddcast Podcast. 1991 was my first competition in the fitness industry. Fitness competition started in 1986 or 87. So they were still fairly new, and the only thing that was really out in the mainstream for women in the industry was bodybuilding. So the fitness were really the fitness shows were really really new, and I was one of the pioneers, I guess, that helped spread those and keep get those going. And then I moved to California. Just I got a lot of stories. It's hard to keep them short, <laughs> but. You know, I know yeah. you said 15 minutes, so I'm trying to say, okay, how do I shorten these things up? But 1995, I had an opportunity to move to California from Texas. I was 24. I'd been, I'd competed in fitness competitions in 91, 93, 94, and then the beginning of 95, I moved to California, and my first week out there, I knew two people in California, so I didn't know really anyone out there. I didn't have a job op- opportunity. I wasn't. I just figured I could go out there and do the things that I was doing in San Antonio out there, meaning I was I was a waitress, I was a Bud, Budweiser girl, so I worked for Budweiser, you know, go out and, yeah. you know, do the Budweiser girl thing. Um, I was training some clients, um, I was going to school part-time, so I was like, I can do all of these things in California, so I had an opportunity to move in with a friend of mine, uh, my brother's, that was living out there, and... Um, I moved to Redondo Beach my first year out there. It was beautiful right on the beach. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, And then the next year I moved up to Marina Del Rey, and that's where I stayed for nine years in Marina Del Rey. But um, my first, within my first week out there, I was offered a job to go to Jamaica as a model uh, from someone that I had met at one of my competitions that was a sponsor, and she had had a big um, company called Jan Tana tanning products, and it was back back in the day. You know, it's still a very big company, well well known and respected throughout the industry. But there's so many more now. You know, back then there was like Jan Tana and Protan, mm-hmm. and it was the largest one of the you know, out of the two, one of the largest tanning fake tanning products that the competitors all wore on stage. So, anyways, I had met her as, at one of my shows and handed her my little business card and said if you ever need a blonde fitness model because <laughs> she had she was sponsoring at the time I met her she was sponsoring another girl and the girl was a brunette so I was just trying to right you know you know I, I've always been someone who I'm going to ask something and if it if I get a no then I get a no but you know sure. you never know until you ask. No, absolutely and by the way the only reason I said 10 to 15 minutes was because I didn't want to ma- manipulate your time too much so <laughs> if you're cool with going over 15 I'm also cool with going over 15. Well, I, um, I feel like, it, you know, as long as everything's flowing the way it needs to flow, then I'm yeah. good with talking a little longer. So, good. Yeah. Okay. And somebody uh, like you that uh, is clearly, you know, fitness uh, oriented, you must have cheat foods. <laughs> what, are, what are your cheat foods? Well, first of all, I don't call them cheats. <laughs> what do you call them? Well, here's the thing is I work really hard and I have for years, right? In my, in my industry. So if I want to take some time off of my eating plan to indulge, then it's a reward or it's just, hey, it's, because as soon as you start putting a word to it, it yeah. makes someone feel guilty. And I don't ever want to feel guilty for enjoying something that I want to enjoy. <laughs> Fair enough. Right? Like, I don't call it a cheat because I'm not cheating. I am enjoying something that... And then we have a posit- we have a better mindset about it. As soon as you put the word cheat to something that somebody feels like they have to hide from, you know, hide because they're cheating. Like it's it's I think just a very negative, and we've got to stay as positive as possible, especially in this industry that mm. you know has a lot of variables and a lot of emotional tie to how someone looks and acts and handles food and. I try to be very positive about it. Interesting. So same thing for, because uh, we hear a lot about bad calories as well. Is that is that different for everybody? Well, bad calories is 
is more, I think, acceptable to say because, yeah, there's a lot of bad, I mean, margaritas, bad calories, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> fried, no. Fried food is bad calories. Yeah. You know, uh, fried chips, bad calories. You put it with guacamole, well, the guacamole is t- typically good calories. But, you know, so if you're looking at it like that, that's not so much a, like attaching it to the personal. Right. Now, right, because if you say I'm cheating, it's personal. If you're taking in bad calories, well, the bad ca- calories is not about you personal. It's about that food. Right. <laughs> so then, you know, it, and I think, you know, people, people will kind of know more or less, you know, and I mean, there's some gray areas for people that haven't really done a lot of research on nutrition or haven't been taught or told or, you know, younger kids sometimes. Um, so here's kind of an interesting thing. Like when I was in my early 20s and learning, trying to learn about nutrition, we were taught that fats are bad for you, right? right. So bad for you. And I remember thinking, uh, being, feeling as I got, as I started learning more about it, feeling guilty that I'd cooked my chicken in butter. Now, now, now what I know now, like I was, that was the best thing I could have done is cook my chicken in butter. Cause now I'm taking a protein, which protein can raise insulin and can raise, you know, blood sugars. Mm-hmm. It can help your, uh, cause your body to produce a little bit more insulin than say butter would. So when you throw the butter on it, then we're, we're not allowing blood sugars to kind of spike. We're keeping our, blood more stable, the blood sugar is more stable, so we're not going to have any kind of, we're not going to have, we'll have less of an insulin spike, which is healthier. I mean, we have to, like, naturally we have, we want insulin to be kind of this up and down, but we don't want it to go real high, right? But if sometimes just eating protein alone without any fat to help slow it down can spike blood sugars, which cause insulin to come out, you know, more than it needed. So, Mm adding the butter to it actually was the better thing to do. But for years I didn't realize that because we were being brainwashed in the fitness industry that fats are bad for you. And now there's, you know, so much out there on the whole keto thing and keto type lifestyle and eating more fat. So like now I'm so excited. I'm like (laughs) the last, you know, eight years I'm like, I get to have more fats than (laughs) before. And what a difference, what a difference it makes across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Monica, I would love to get outside of fitness and training, nutrition, and what you're known for. Okay. We have a ton of time on our hands right now. What are you binge watching for shows? <laughs> well, um, since my husband and I both started these new um, online business structures, mm-hmm. uh, there has not been a lot of time for binge watching. However, <laughs> we did, in the very beginning of the whole lockdown, we did watch the Tiger Oh, so, the, the Tiger King, yeah. Yeah, we did, and here's an f- interesting little information. In, I guess in the early 2000s or the late 90s, I can't remember when it was, because it had to have been whenever that first they first kind of opened that up. I was doing an appearance in Oklahoma, and I was on stage as a, so it must have been when I, it must have been the early 2000s, because I wasn't doing a routine, but I came out as a, as a as a guest, and they they did this magic, you know, show per se on stage with a large cat. Oh! And as I'm thinking back about it, the very next day after the show, because they had this cat on the stage, and I was on the stage, and they did this kind of light show, and it the cat was there, and then it came, and then it, and then I appeared. <laughs> so yeah, they met. You know, I was a guest for this bodybuilding and fitness show. So then the next day, I went out to what I remember looking back and have a bunch of Polaroid pictures of me holding a baby tiger and a skunk and a, a, a albino python and all these crazy animals. I, I was holding all these before I caught my fly, flight back to L.A. And I remember getting on the flight that morning after I got to go to this um, preserve, you know, like a wildlife preserve with all these animals yep. and thinking, I wonder if anyone else has tiger dirt on them right now, you know, cause I got on the plane and I just come straight from holding a baby tiger. Yeah. So I had, I have great memories of being able to do that. And so the whole tiger show, you know, we did binge watch that. 
with the whole COVID-19, uh, did you see that the government had released videos of the UFOs and it kind of just was a blip in the news? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I am keeping up with quite a few um, prophetic pastors that I love to listen to, and I do keep up with some of the secular um, kind of stuff as well. Just I like to hear, and I've been hearing a lot about this whole UFO thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I like to be aware of what is being talked about because I feel like it's important that we hear and understand and know. So I've been, I'm a learner at heart. That's one of my, I guess, strengths. I, in fact, I even did the Gallup Strength Finder test one time, and my number one out of 34 strengths was, was learner. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> so I love, I love learning things, and I, I am one to, you know, be conscious and careful of what I listen to and what I allow in my conscious and in my brain and all that. But I do like to be aware of what's being said and talked about. And so, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that I've been watching and for the last quite a few years. The Toddcast Podcast. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at Toddcast Podcast. Podcast is powered by Milano Coffee, bringing you the finest espresso and coffee concepts in the world online at milanocoffee.ca. 
a look at this week's keyboard warriors, Todd's Trolls, on the Toddcast Podcast. And you see that garbage chirping pretty much anywhere and everywhere online. It doesn't matter what it is, the trolls are there to jump all over your every word. Nobody, nothing is safe. Bahamas, great band. They just released a new album a week back. It's called Sad Hunk. Jack Johnson just called. He wants his shtick back. They could make a new music genre just for their sound. It would be called Depression. Honestly, this album should come with a loaded gun. There's a new movie being released in a few days on October 23rd. It looks pretty good. Death on the Nile is about a detective on a vacation in Egypt, and it's a love triangle gone bad. Gal Gadot, Simon Kinberg, Ridley Scott, Annette Bening, and a lot more. Big names. A virtual who's who of Hollywood. Absolute proof that a star-studded cast doesn't mean it'll be a good movie. Watch the trailer. It's two minutes and 40 seconds of your life that you'll never get back. No thanks. I'd rather watch a couple randos playing chess. And a big one for cricket. The ICC World T20 was supposed to be played in Australia and India from October 18th to November 15th. COVID has made sure that that's been postponed till next year. Quick, name one rule in cricket and I'll give you 20 bucks. It's cool, I'll wait. They could postpone this indefinitely and nobody would give two shits. I cannot understand how anyone would voluntarily watch cricket. Like, seriously, you got nothing better to do? Todd's Trolls on the Toddcast Podcast is powered by The Garage, Games and Geekery, your place to play RPGs, board games, and Warhammer in Maple Ridge. Online at garagegames.ca.
this moment in time, we realize we no longer want to live forever. that one doesn't get your blood pumping i think it's maybe time to check the pulse the band is crankshaft tears me apart and i believe that they are currently working on new music i'm not sure of the timeline but you can look forward to that i do know that shane their singer has a side project not as heavy jake deekman if you know jay killer drummer he's playing in that project Uh, in fact they were supposed to play that band uh, a show for the podcast prior to covid locking down the planet played you sleep circle and their song was consumed that's the band that uh, podcast favorite jake tuzel is now fronting they played a podcast show i guess a couple months before covid changed the scene around here really good band if you hear them playing or maybe doing a live stream or whatever check them out speaking of that live scene find some live and some stream shows with the indie scene at toddhancock.ca the scene is slowly making a comeback let me know about your shows and hit me up on social media let me know and i'll Add it to the website. That is brought to you by Mystic Rhythms Rehearsal Studios. 40 plus years experience in the music industry. Find them online through mysticrhythms.ca. Everybody I've talked to said it's just absolutely fantastic. All right, our final guest of episode 229 is this week's entertainment guest, actress Kate Miller. That is brought to you by Tomes. Get a better night's sleep. In fact, the first seven nights are 100% free at Tomes.com. That's T-A-U-M-M-H-O-M-S.com. As mentioned off the top, you'll know Kate from Hightown. She has a small role in the recently released The Trial of the Chicago 7, starring Sasha Baron Cohen. If you have not seen it yet, Netflix is your hookup. But yeah, you've seen and heard Kate in a lot of stuff over the years. Going back to the mid-90s, she had roles in Sex and the City, Law and Order, The Emoji Movie, Young and the Restless, Dora the Explorer. She's been in a lot of video games as well. Wasteland 2, Guild Wars 2, Destiny 2, um, Manhunt back in the day. Remember that one? Man, I got pulled into that game big time. She is married to another voiceover actor as well, John DiMaggio Bender on Futurama. That would be pretty awesome to live with somebody as a famous character voice. Like imagine living with a guy that does Homer Simpson's voice or Bender. It'd be pretty neat. Watch for Kate in the trial of the Chicago 7 in select theaters or stay at home and put your feet up, fire up the old Netflix and it's a fantastic watch. Hear the full interview, search us out through Toddcast Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Till you hear that, here's 10 minutes with actress and voice actor, Kate Miller. The Toddcast Podcast. Like, where do we start with you? Your resume is absolutely freaking... I'm a blue-collar actress. It that. is amazing. It. Like, you're the you're Broadway, you're off-Broadway, there's TV, there's film, there's, yeah, but, you know, voice you know. work... Uh, I'm, I'm grateful. But, I mean, I often joke and say I've done everything except infomercials and porn. But, you know, work is work is what I'm getting at. Like, was that, is that know? part of like the, the sunset of uh, Kate Miller's career? Not or at all. You... It, might be, it might be the peak. <laughs> not the sunset. No, no, not a swan song. No. Uh, oh, my husband and I joke that, that I should start a new category called Puma. Not Cougar, but Puma. Right. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering then, uh, Kate, what is the what, like? What was the stuff being played in your house? Like, what are the TV shows and like movies and stuff? We're what big the, on on anything that's well scripted. We're no, about I, no. I mean, like, I mean, like back in the day, like you're you're growing up, you're a kid. Okay. Like, what are your what are your, what are your parents playing? Um. Well, that's another story. I was pretty much raised by my grandmother. 
Um, oh. We all had very different tastes. Um, I'm from a small, small town in West Virginia. So there was a lot of Little House on the Prairie, which I secretly hated, and the Waltons, which I secretly hated. And, you know, little me was off watching Charlie's Angels and, you know, Police Woman or um, what else did I love? So I loved Flip Wilson. I loved the Carol Burnett show. I actually ended up on Broadway with Carol. She was a huge idol for me when I was little. Um, wow. How no happy days, Laverne and Shirley. No, no, no. Don't just skip over us on Broadway. Like, so tell us how that happened. Like, what was the story there? I auditioned and I got the gig and it was my first Broadway audition. I was 25. This was another lifetime ago at this point, but it sort of gives you cred when you land a Broadway play with someone like that. That's got a- absolutely. So and like, I, and I learned a lot, you know, I mean, this is the thing about New York City. Like, I, I, the majority of people that are in show business, like, I, I moved to LA and I married my husband late and I stayed here. They really celebrate celebrity here and they don't care what kind of celebrity. In New York, everybody, is, everybody thinks of themselves, whether they're a celebrity or not, as a very blue collar kind of actor. It's a trade, you do it. Sometimes you hit big, sometimes you get a name, sometimes you, you know, but she started out there with, you know, a, five roommates that were like Shirley MacLaine and I can't remember who else, but she was just so real. Carol Burnett's so real that, and it was the first place she'd done since her Broadway debut when she was in her 20s and she was in her 60s when we did this. I don't even know what I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to get at the fact that it sounds like, oh my God, that's so impressive, but it never felt, it never felt like egotistical on anybody's part. It felt like um, cred, just straight up street cred. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm proud of it because I worked with someone that worked her way up like so many people that are true showbiz icons and legends have. They weren't, you know, somebody's kid or they weren't famous from a reality TV show or, or, you know, and all New York is still that way. You work, you do, you do what comes down the pike. You you don't necessarily need to like blow up and and be huge to have a fulfilling career. Not at all. And when you're younger, you want that because your ego needs fed and you know, right. if you didn't get enough tension when you were a child, which most of us didn't, and that's why we're in this business, you know, you think it's going to be some sort of salve for, for healing and making you feel better. And, you know, the older you get, you just want to work. You just want to do good work. You just want to do good scripts. You want to be around good people. And I'm lucky that I, I got to do that early, and I have kind of have continued to do that through my career, you know. Mm-hmm. So Sorkin, I mean, you know, Rebecca Cutter and Hightown and – it's yeah, they're great, great people. Around. Right. I'm lucky. I'm having a glass of wine, by the way. It's well, been a hell of a week. I'm uh, I'm having a a giant cup of shut your fucking bitch and coffee. There you go. <laughs> um, that mug. You'd uh. <laughs> let's get into uh, the the one of the reasons why we have you uh, uh, tonight on the podcast. Could this movie be any more? Uh, appropriate for what the states is going through right now yeah we need it he's always had his finger on the pulse i have a very minor role and i can't say much about what it is it's involved with the bobby seal storyline because you know it's not out yet and we're not really allowed to talk too much about anything and i'm again i'm lucky i'm in it at all but he's always been that guy you know he's re-releasing the west wing right now and having a reunion and doing some new episodes and and he's always been that guy. Social network, he's always had his finger on the pulse of what's political. I mean, To Kill a Mockingbird is timely right now. Huge success on Broadway with, you know, the civil unrest and the systemic racism that exists here. He's, he's that guy. I'm totally proud to be a part of it in any capacity, of course. Who wouldn't be? I mean, that, that, that trailer really is... Um... Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And brilliant Sasha Baron Cohen is putting out another Borat movie. A Borat? Like, how? After this, I mean, it's How does that happen? Like, really? You're going to get brilliant, and I think he's going to win an Oscar for this. And to to see the juxtaposition of his his performance in Chicago 7, which I was lucky enough to see some, and watch him be Borat, you're going to see his range. It's brilliant to to show 
marketing and all of it. Like it's, she's just so smart, Batman. I'm a huge fan. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. It, it is amazing. It's probably like one of the most apropos times to be releasing something like that. How long would that take something, a project like that start to finish? Is that like a, is that months I mean, or is that When a you have a role or? like mine, you show up for a day or two and you shoot. I think they shot four months, maybe five months. I don't know. Oh, so it's, no, it's big big features fast. don't take three, three to six, depending. Right. You know? Okay. All right. And uh, we, we kind of touched quickly on this before. I was like, oh, hold up. I mean, more back to like when you're a little kid, but what are you right now? What, what are the shows that you're binge watching? Like, I can't. Outlander's brilliant. So good. Outlander's brilliant. We love Barry. We love, um, there's so much we watch. Uh, we just finished watching The Comey Method because we were big House of Cards fans and our friend Mike Kelly is in both. Um, the, the, on the, the House of Cards note, how much did that throw you when Kevin Spacey's uh, The News came out? Not uh, much. It didn't, hey? It's just, it's just showbiz and it was just the time of that's what's going on down here. It's all so sad. Our culture is really, everything's quite crippled and, and unwell in America. If you ask me, I think the whole reason we have a reality TV president is because, you know, art educates and elevates. And if it's not art, where are you in your culture? And we're seriously lacking that. So, I mean, when somebody says, oh, he touched me, he touched me, he touched me. And of course that was going to happen. I mean, the thing that was even more shocking about all of that was that House of Cards honestly became, it was no longer relevant, you know, because like the, we the next had day. a White House that was even worse and more toxic and more criminal and more, you know. Right. How do you, how do you keep up to, to actual real life? Right. Yeah, it is something else. Right. You can't, you can't. But there's so much good TV right now. There's so many wonderful things on. We were big Game of Thrones fans. Um, I think the morning show is incredible. There's good work everywhere. Ironically, I think there is more good television than there than there are good films. I think that's been and, the and why is that? Is it, is it for so many things? I mean, Hand Tale is brilliant. When you ask me something, it's like there's we consume so much regularly. I think Hightown is brilliant. I'm, ha I'm happy to have a part in Hightown. I mean, it's all female helmed, strong female lead. When's the last time you saw hot lesbian sex on screen, if ever? You see somebody struggling with demons and there's a serious opioid crisis in this country, not just in Cape Cod. You know, when you're an actor, this is why you do this, unless you just want to be on a red carpet and look pretty on Instagram. <laughs> you want to do things that matter and help people, help society, help humans, you know, figure their shit out. So that's, that's my MO lately. You know, I always want to work. Of course, I would like to get the big thing that would allow me to choose what projects I do more, but you know, that's what's coming down the pike. I'll do it. I work on video games. I still do voiceovers. I still do some sure. animation now and then, yeah. you know, I've done soaps. I've done prime time, you know, whatever. Traveling down this path then Kate, does that mean that you were a drama nerd in, in high school? I don't know. I mean, I guess I was a nerd, I guess. I mean, my seventh grade teacher came to me and told me that she wanted me to be the lead in this play. I didn't even really audition for it. So it was sort of fate had a hand kind of just showed up and she threw a script on my, that's literally how it happened. Threw a script on my desk and she said, I think you'd be good at this. Hmm. Learn this part and let's do it. And I'm, and I fell in love. So it actually sort of saved me from a really bad childhood. I got out at 16 to, go do summer stock theater. And then I got myself into Interlochen Arts Academy. And I was there with a lot of wonderful actors you might know, you know, Tom Hulse was there, Jennifer Ely was there, Elizabeth Marvel was there. Wow. Entertainment guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by Tomes, where quality sleep matters. Find out more at tomes.com. That's T-A-U-M-M-H-O-M-S.com. <laughs> Show bias, be 
are called War Baby, and the song is Syntax Error. And I think it was late last year that they'd posted on their Facebook page, they're packing it in, which is really just too bad. One of Vancouver's most dynamic rock bands of my time in the city, going back to the mid-90s. Uh, a real shame to see those guys call it a day. Uh, looking forward to next week. This has been in the can for a little bit. Retired NHL defenseman, former Vancouver Canuck, Brent Sopel is a guest next week. My first hockey memory, you know, being on the outdoor rink, Growing up in Saskatchewan, there's an outdoor rink just about every uh, at every school, so you could find an outdoor rink somewhere uh, at all times, and that's where I spent my life. And how old were you when you when you first laced them up? Uh, two. Joining Brent Sopel next week, I don't know how, but they found me, singer Dallin Weeks. Oh, that's a new band that you need to know about. And published author and blogger Abby Simpson joins us as well. Of course, I wanted to give a big thanks to this week's guests. Blue October singer Justin. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on a Zoom call with us. Looking forward to crushing through the new record front to back. IFBB Pro, Monica Brandt, you are the best. Thank you so much for sharing like you have on social media. Looking forward to the next visit. Let's do it on Zoom next time. And actress Kate Miller had a great talk. Maybe let's try it again in the new year. And that's going to do it for this one. Episode 229. My name is Todd Hancock. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Tell your friends. You can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, SoundCloud. Again, we're on the Dean Blundell Network out of Toronto at deanblundell.com. The Boot Crew Media Network out of New Orleans at bootcrewmedia.com. Of course, through toddhancock.ca. You can find us there too. Comment and rate the podcast. A search of Toddcast podcast huge thanks to all of our wonderful sponsors for their unwavering support all of these years we're coming up on year seven of the podcast can you believe that and we've had sponsors since day one you can find links to all sponsor websites at toddhancock.ca if you'd like to sponsor the cast you can do that as well for as what, little as 10 bucks a day contact info at the homepage. maybe we'll have a beer have a coffee and see what's up till next week don't be an asshole Nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. The Toddcast Podcast. Keep in touch with Todd through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and bookmark toddhancock.ca.